Good morning. I'm trying to figure out who I am today. Oftentimes I get up here and I've got, it's all like, so I'm just trying to be calm today. See if I can do this this way or not. Just kind of take it in, let the Lord do his thing. Uh, I'm challenged this morning to share something that is um, very personal to me, uh, very um, important to me. I'm burdened because I, the Lord has brought me to scriptures and thoughts that are very familiar to all of us. And there's a risk this morning for all of us as I kind of launch into what I want to share today to glaze over and be like, I've been here and I've done this before. I'm burdened today that you won't allow your own flesh or the enemy to do that to you. That you will hear what the Lord would have for you today in this. Because I truly believe that if we will learn the reality of the voice of God in our lives, that we will learn to hear him, that you will truly fall in love with him in a way that you will never be the same again, that you will never be satisfied with who you are, and you will always pursue the hope of what you're becoming. And you will walk into every situation, every confrontation, every celebration with just a sense of knowing that he's with you. We've been on this series called Living in the Flesh. And to be honest, I've struggled a little bit with the title of the series um, because I kind of feel like I've spent my whole life trying to crucify my flesh, you know? So uh, what is this idea of, of living in the flesh? I think a lot of times that we live as Christians, we, uh, we come to God with our trespasses and our sins and we ask him to forgive us of our sins and he picks up and he brushes us off and then he picks us up and he brushes us off and then he picks us up and he brushes us off and sometimes that's all we know of God. And I wonder if we really ever recognize the whole of the story. The fact that he redeems us from beyond just picking us up and brushing us off. That Christ didn't die for us just to be free from sin, but that he died to glorify God in making it possible that right here, right now on earth, we might live. That's the whole story. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds. We're dead in our trespasses and our sins, Ephesians 2 tells us, but God in his great mercy made us alive in Christ. John 10, chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 10 says, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it, what's the word? Abundantly to the full. That's 
what he calls us to. When Christ redeems us, we become spiritually alive. 2 Timothy 1.9, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ before time began. 2 Peter verse 1, 3 and 4, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us every great and precious promise so that through them we may share in the divine nature, escaping corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. We live a life empowered by God through the knowledge of him who called us. We live by knowing God. We know him through his word, illuminated by his spirit. We know him by hearing him. That's what we're going to talk about today. Can we pray? To know and follow hard after you. To grow as your disciple in the truth. that in my own perspective, not in just some poetic way, the world would be empty and pale and poor compared to knowing you. Lead us by your spirit, I pray, Lord, and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I am a mess this morning. I want this so much for you. I want more of it for myself. There's such a reality to the presence of the Lord that we just scrape the surface of. The ability to hear God's voice is something I have sought after. And I'm so thankful for the way that God uh, has put this desire in my heart. And it started with my grandmother, Grace. How many, were any of you still here when my grandmother preached here a few years ago? Do you remember that, a few of you? You got a glimpse of what I grew up in. It's a, she's about this tall, and she was about 95 pounds. She's 88 years old, uh, last Wednesday. She's walking scripture. She got up here a couple years ago, and in her tight little suit, and her kicky little shoes, and... And she just began to talk about God. And there was probably 80% of what she said was word-for-word word scripture with a few conjunctions in the middle of it to tie it together. All my life, I've known her to be this way. She wasn't always. But in junior high, I can remember starting to realize that she was different. She lived in Vancouver, the other side of the world for me. And I would, in junior high, had that typical kind of life that all of us do in junior high where we're just kind of, we're in the church and we've got our school friends and our church friends and I had the benefit of actually having a, a dad who was not saved and a mom who was saved. It wasn't really that much of a benefit. It just gave me freedom to get nice things if I wanted to travel with a church band or do whatever I wanted at school, go to school dances and do that kind of thing. I just asked my dad, right? It wasn't much of a benefit at all. It gave me a lot of freedom 
Uh, and in junior high, I, I really didn't go down any big bad roads or anything like that, but I was in a season in my life where I was making some decisions about, about the environment I was gonna create by my friends. And I remember several times I would, I would be in, at school and, or, and we'd have like a sock hop at lunch or whatever, and I'd, rather than hanging out with some of my friends from school, I'd, I'd kind of hang out with another crowd that really wanted me to be friends, and they, they just did life differently. And I'd come home, and I, I, my parents worked, so I'd come home alone, and it'd be like 2.30, quarter to three in the afternoon. It'd be like, I don't know what that would be in BC, sometime late in the morning. And it's like, I didn't even get my coat off and the phone would ring. I knew who it was. Now, I should clarify, this is before they had like, like technology with telephone, telephones. There was no screen telling me who it was. <laughs> but it was my grandmother. And uh, I remember one time in particular, I came home after school and I had, I had been struggling with this. And, um, and I, would, uh, I, I was struggling with this and the Lord was really dealing with me and I was at a crossroads of what I was, what I was gonna begin to, to really press into uh, the youth group and my friends there was gonna press into this, this kind of other way of doing life for a little while. I'll never forget this. I walked in, all those friends were there. It was their first time in our house. And, and um, we, had a, we had a nice house, and so people were, uh, were kind of like, man, this is, this is nice, you know, and whatnot. And I'm a little nervous. I'm feeling those butterflies in my stomach because this is kind of like, this is that world in this world, you know? And God was kind of showing me the dichotomy of who I am at home versus who these people were, and the phone rang. Hello? Oh, hi, man. Well, what have I been doing today? Yes, I know, Nan. I say it right now. I, I'm the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through him who saved me. I wept. I wept. My friends looked at me. Yes, Nan. I love you, too. Bye. How did she always know? I knew even then she was listening to the voice of God. She knew his voice. And because of that, God used her to draw me to himself. I wanted to hear his voice like that. Don't you want to hear his voice like that? Want to be a watchguard for your family? And as I've read and read and prayed and cried and tried and failed and learned, slowly learned, still learning to hear his voice, I've come to realize that he is always speaking. He's always speaking. Job 33, 14 says, for God speaks time and again, but a person may not notice it. We are always ready to hear God in crisis or in times when we're getting ready to do ministry. But I can promise you, if that's the only time you're listening for the Lord, you will not hear him. 
If you don't listen to the Lord on a daily basis as you wake up and as you drive the car and as you sit at your desk or as you walk from one classroom to the other, if you're not acknowledging him and practicing his presence and acknowledging that he's there, you will not hear him. Not like you want. There may be times when God speaks to you in a moment of ministry uh, because of his faithfulness to respond to the faith of the people that you're with. And in that moment, you have this little inkling that you know he's speaking through you, and then if it happens to you like it happens to me, as has happened to me, you will know that he is speaking through you in spite of you. It stings, and it feels cheap. But he uses it, not to condemn you, but to draw you to himself for the real thing, for a real relationship, to know his voice. As leaders, we must learn to walk in the Spirit in a way that is tangible and real. If you want a revival in your ministry, you have to have a revival in your own heart first. There has to be a, if you want to see tangible, real things of the Lord done through you, you have to have a real, tangible, authentic relationship with Him now, pursuing it now, searching after it now. He'll respond to your diligent search for him. God created us for a relationship with him. That's the best part of this whole message is that he promises to respond, right? We talk about a relationship with God. Communication is the very essence of that relationship. The Bible tells us we can know his voice. I get a lot of phone calls in the run of a day, but when Elizabeth calls me on the phone, she doesn't have to say, "Uh, yes, this is Elizabeth Rano, your wife. I know her voice. And technology's gotten better. I see her face on the phone. <laughs> but as you grow in the Lord, it gets easier. I want to look today just to give us a little bit of help in this. And this is where I talk about a real familiar passage in Luke chapter 8 about the four soils. I want to look at the, at the attitudes and disposition of the hearts that, that, God, that Christ teaches us out of these soils and how they affect our ability to hear the Lord. Luke 8, 4 and 8, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that. We're going to kind of skip there back and forth a bit. Praise the Lord. As a large crowd was gathering, people were flocking to him from every town, And he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and he was sowing some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky ate it up. Other seed fell on the rock. When it sprang up, it withered, since it lacked moisture. The other seed fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up and choked it. Still, other seed fell on good ground. When it sprang up, it produced a crop a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, Anyone who has ears to hear, they should listen. It's a pretty cool way to close that scripture. God goes into verse 11 and a couple of verses after that, and he explains the parable. I don't want to read that necessarily right now today, but through this, through this parable teaching, we know that God is the farmer, that the seed is God's word, and the soil is the stuff that receives the seed or God's word, right? And for us, that's our mind or our heart. 
where the, the soil is the hearers or disposition of the heart of the hearers. So I wanna look at these four soils to help us to determine attitudes that will affect whether or not we will hear God's voice. So the first soil is what? It fell along the, the path. The, the what? Okay, I'm gonna have to get excited because you guys are, <laughs> are too quiet on me. A sower went out to sow his seed and he went and he was sowing, fell some along the, the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky ate it up. The path is that part of the field where the farmer walks on day after day after day, right? And what happens to the soil as it gets walked on like that? It gets packed down, it's trampled on over and over and over again, and it leaves the seed no chance to take root because the soil is unreceptive. It's hard and narrow. It's unreceptive. Hard and narrow because it's been trampled on over and over and over again. It's hard and narrow, hard and narrow, hard-hearted and narrow-minded. Hard-hearted and narrow-minded. Sometimes we can get trampled on repeatedly by our circumstances, so we don't even believe that God cares enough to speak. So we allow our hearts to become narrow-minded about his voice. Sometimes we have been hurt, and so we become hard-hearted because we don't want, we don't want anything to, to, to hurt us anymore, and we don't want his input either. Narrow-minded and hard-hearted. What causes that? What causes us to be closed-minded like that? There are three things. Pride. I can handle this myself. And feelers, if you're a feeler, you say, I'm not gonna let that happen to me again. I'm not gonna let that hurt me again. I have to protect my, myself, myself, pride. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna have to protect myself. Thinkers, I'm not, I'm not gonna let that happen again. I'm going to take care of my pride, myself. Pride. Pride is one of the ways that closes our mind. The second is fear. A mental block. We're afraid of maybe what God might ask us to do. Maybe, maybe he's going to ask me to forgive that person. Maybe he's, going to, maybe he's going to ask me to do something that's kind of crazy and make a fool of myself. And the third thing that closes our minds is bitterness. Unforgiveness, resentment. Right? Over and over again we've been trampled on. Allowing the people from your past. You know what bitterness is? It's allowing people from your past to hurt you today. That's all bitterness is. It's empowering those who've hurt you in the past to hurt you today. The first barrier to hearing God is the path. The attitude is, a close, is closed-mindedness and hard-heartedness. The path, our first barrier, the attitude, closed-minded and hard-hearted. The second soil is what kind of soil? Rocky. The rocky soil, or the shallow soil, depending on, on, depending on your, on your uh, translation. And I, I have never been to Israel. I really hope to go someday. But I understand that a lot of Israel has got like two or three inches of topsoil in it, and then there's bedrock underneath. Okay, so it says that the other seed fell on the rock. When it sprang up, it withered, since, uh, uh, and sprang up. 
but it withered because it had a lack of moisture. Um, you see, on the surface of, 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 the, uh, of what I understand the terrain to be has this couple of inches of soil and then all this bedrock. See, the rocky soil is superficial soil. It's not as rich as what it appears. There's no chance for roots to grow down because the soil is not as rich or as deep as one might think. That's exactly what Jesus explains in Luke 8.13 when he, on the, on the end of this parable, he talks to the disciples about what it means. The seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, welcome the word with joy. Having no root, they, these believe for a while and then depart in a time of testing. When the heat comes up, it withers. We welcome the work with joy. We get all excited. We look just like everybody else, right? But God's truth, we never let it to sink down quite deep enough to take root and change us. One thing about superficial people that I've discovered and, and, and I know in my own life as I've lived that way at times, people, superficial people are always in a hurry. Always in a hurry. Hey, love you. Oh, yeah. oh hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, love to chat, can't. <laughs> yeah, oh. Praise Jesus, yeah, I love you, love you. You know, never, never, never time, never time, right? Always in a hurry. Like, you know, it's kind of like, how much, of, how much of the Maritimes would you know if you flew from here to Halifax? Not a lot, right? If you just kind of went there real quick, you wouldn't know a lot about the Maritimes. But like, if, if, you, if, you, if you jumped on the bus, maybe, or the train, kind of took the train to Halifax, you, you get a better idea, a little slower getting there, but you get a better idea what the Maritimes were like, right? Or if you drove in the car and kind of took your own way and, you know, maybe stopped along the way, you'd know a little bit more about the Maritimes. But if you walked, it would take a long time. But you'd know it. You'd know its people, its climate, its temperature. You'd have stories if you take time. Superficial people are always in a hurry. Always in a hurry. It takes time to hear God's voice. The anecdote for a superficial, or dare I say fake, heart is vulnerability. It's, and we get vulnerable in two ways. We get vulnerable by spending time alone in God, letting the mirror of the word to show us our hearts, right? Divides our, even our motives and our intent of our heart. And the second is, we spend time in Christian community, in our bands, being vulnerable, being honest with one another. Can't be superficial there. Our first barrier was the path. The attitude was a closed-minded heart. Second barrier we just talked about is the rocky or shallow soil. It's a superficial heart. The third soil is soil full of thorns and weeds, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up uh, with it and choked it. Uh, now, what I believe this speaks about is this speaks of distractions. Uh, that, that a distracted heart. Uh, your mind is crowded. You will not, if your mind is crowded, you will not hear God. Jesus tells us in verse 14 of Luke 8, uh, as we see the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones when they have heard go on their way and they're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of life, and they produce no mature fruit. Worries, riches, pleasures. They're distractions that choke out our ability to hear God's voice. I, I didn't ask Elizabeth's permission to share this story, and it just comes to me now, but I, I so appreciate her 
I'm going to cry because I can't talk about Jesus or her without crying. But, uh, but do you not, I mean, she walks with the Lord. The presence of the Lord is in her life. And I watch as she's been so sensitive to be obedient to the Lord about stuff that's not even wrong. I remember we were in a season a couple of years ago where, where we actually we just moved back and you kind of get in that, well, we're gonna, we're gonna buy or build a house and we're gonna do this and that. And so we started watching a lot of home and garden television and Elizabeth was watching a lot of home and garden television all the time and we were laying in bed one day and, or one night or maybe we were, I, I can't remember exactly how, but anyway, she said, I gotta stop watching that stuff. I said, wow, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's good research, right? We just see what's out there kind of thing. No, no, it's, it's just getting in my heart. I, I saw, I'm starting to think more about stuff and being dissatisfied with what we have and, and it's, it's, it's just getting in the way. So she doesn't watch home garden television anymore, you know? Some of you, I wish there was other things you wouldn't watch. <coughs> Say the Walking Dead. <laughs> Whatever is pure, holy, honorable, just, or excellent. No, what? You know what? I'm going to go there. You know, I'm, no, I'm not even joking. Guys, you want to hear God's voice? Get the garbage out of your heads. Come on, man. I'm not joking. Think about, what you, think about what you're filling your heart and mind with. The images, the thoughts. Oh, I should stick with my notes. The images and the thoughts and the storylines. It's crap. Amen. It's garbage. It doesn't belong in the temple of the Lord. And then you want to change the world. And you wonder why you don't hear his voice and why reading scripture is boring and why it's just another chapel service. It's because you are a walking dead person. Superficial, look all great on the outside, your whitewashed tombs on the inside, dead inside. Or you're dying because of the environment you're allowing inside your heart. I'm sorry, I love you. I want God to make a change in this place and in you. We gotta, we gotta get serious about what we're listening to. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay. Because <laughs> you'll hear what you love. Weeds. What do you have to do to get weeds to grow in your garden? <laughs> Not a thing. Not a thing. Weeds are a sign of neglect. Weeds are a sign of neglect. We neglect time with God, worries, distractions, the pursuit of pleasures, dissatisfied with what we have, Grass is greener on the other side. Oh, I wish this or that would have happened for me. Neglect. Time with God and weeds will grow. The first barrier or path we talked about, sorry, the first barrier was the path and it causes our heart, our heart's attitude to be narrow-minded and hard-hearted. The second barrier to hearing God's voice we talked about is rocky soil or shallowness, superficial heart is the second barrier. The third barrier is weedy soil, right? A distracted heart. Fourth soil. Uh, this is verse eight. Still under the seed fell on good ground. When it sprang up, 
It produced a crop a hundred times what, it was sh- what, what was sown. Good ground. Say good ground. good ground. Oh, don't you want to be good ground today? Ground that was ready and waiting to receive the soil. That's what good ground is. Good ground is ready and waiting to receive the soil. It was prepared ahead of time for the seed. It was all churned up and rich and ready to take on the seed in God's word. God speaks to people who've decided ahead of time they're going to listen and obey. God speaks to people who decided ahead of time, who got ready ahead of time, that they were, no matter what he said, they were going to listen and obey. God speaks to those who says, yes, Lord, I'm ready. What can I do? Luke 8, 15, but the seed in the good ground, these are the ones, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it by enduring it, bearing fruit, and by enduring, bearing fruit. Verse 11 through 15, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, uh, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. They're dead. And the seed on the rock, uh, and the seed on the rocky ground are those who, when they hear, welcome the word with joy, but having no root, these believe for a while and then depart in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries and riches and pleasures and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring bear much fruit. Four attitudes. The first attitude was the path and a closed or narrow mind and hard heart. I want to tell you what that produces. Nothing. No life. The birds eat it away. Your life goes to the birds. (laughs) Second attitude. The rocky soil, shallow. It's a superficial heart. Scripture says that it withers under the heat of the sun. So a narrow-minded heart has no life. A shallow, superficial heart has some life, but when things get rough, the tough get going, right? It's an 80s song. I won't go there. <laughs> and none of you even have that going through your head right now, and it's screaming in me. When the going gets tough, the get going. Sorry. All right, third attitude. The weedy soil is a distracted heart. It's choked out by the cares of, the cares of life. And this is really interesting to me, what Scripture says here. Uh, it says, in verse 14, it says, uh, and produces no mature fruit. It grows up just like everything else around it, but it doesn't produce any maturity. A distracted heart looks very similar to one maybe that isn't, but there's just simply no fruit. It's a little condemning when I look at the church these days sometimes. The fourth attitude is the good soil. It's a ready heart a mature heart, and it matures and grows healthy, and it bears much fruit. So if you simply want to know where your heart is at, it's really cool. There's four symptoms. There's no life. There's, there, there's, there's some life that gets excited, but you just can't seem to get a hold of it. I can't, can't, can't just kind of, I just can't, I don't know, whatever. Let's go on, you know. There's a superficial heart. 
Then there's, then, then there's the heart. It can never seem to grow maturity. I'm always thinking about other things, distracted by other things. And then there's the heart that bears much fruit. Those are four symptoms of four attitudes. Narrow-minded, hard-hearted, no life. A superficial heart, super excited now and then, but nothing changes. Especially when things get rough. There's just no depth there. Weedy soil, distracted heart, grows, you know, doing some good things, but never really maturing to the point where we're sharing our faith or we're really beginning to see the, the, uh, this, this idea of communication and hearing God's voice take root in our life. But the good soil that bears much fruit, it takes time to prepare yourself to get ready. It's so worth it. What would that fruit look like in you? What would you look like, just you, if you were to prepare your heart and begin to hear God's voice and to respond to it when he says it, no matter what it is, what would you look like? What might God ask you to say or do? Anything, really. I've got time for a couple quick stories of how this concept or this has kind of changed my life. I told you a little bit about my grandmother. Um, I, I want to tell you, can, can, I tell you, can I tell you how God had called Elizabeth and I uh, actually into full-time church ministry? You got a second for that? Yeah. It has, thanks, man! <laughs> um, uh, it, it has to do with hearing God's voice and kind of taking take a couple of people just hearing God and doing something that was a little weird and, uh, and but being obedient. And God supernaturally used it to totally transform me. So I'm, I'm like 14 or 15 years old and I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a large church or a church that grew to be quite large about the size of, of uh, Moncton Wesleyan, uh, Moncton Wesleyan's old sanctuary. So at the time it was fairly big, but maybe 11, 1,200 people. And I can remember I was like 14 years old. It was a Sunday evening service. I meant to bring it with me. I actually have a cassette tape, which I actually can't hear anymore because I have nothing to play it on. But uh, in, my, in my office, there's a little treasure chest that has some memory things in it. In it, there's a, there's a cassette tape because they recorded everything there. And uh, there was this guy, and I think he was speaking on, I never actually listened to the whole tape anymore, so I, and I actually haven't listened to it for a while, but um, I think he was speaking on finances. It's just a special speaker. He literally flew in. His flight was late, and he just kind of showed up in the middle of the service and then started preaching. But halfway through the sermon, he's preaching kind of like this, and all of a sudden he's like, that young man up there, up in the balcony, if you can kind of picture the two-tiered kind of fan-shaped thing, I'm like up there. Like, stand up for a minute. I've been distracted by you all night. And because we were passing notes, right? I was part of the group. The group is what we called ourselves because we're very original creative. Um, and, uh, and we were passing notes and, you know, figuring out what we were going to do afterwards. And my, my, my friend stood up. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> my parents would kill me. Well, my mom would because my dad didn't care. But, um, and so my friend stands up. And he goes, no, not you, the other guy. You stand up. <laughs> Come down here. Okay, here we go, coming down. I mean, in the middle of three quarters of the way through the sermon, I'm walked down, and I'm standing there like, oh, what's going to happen, right? I've been distracted by you all night, he said. And then uh, he, 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 he looked at me, and he said, I don't know if you're a singer or not, but I feel like God's saying to me that you're a singer. And someday you'll sit down and write, and people will know you by name, 
But as you abase your, and as you abase your own heart in him, the king of glory will come abound to many out, of, many out of your vessel, saith the Lord, he said. Language, whatever, but that was exactly what he said. And he prayed for me and chewed me off. That was, I was 16, 15, 16, a long time ago. 29 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> Someone's getting hurt over there. <laughs> um, about 23 years later, I was serving here in the enrollment department. Don't be looking around, I knew who it was. <laughs> Did one of those. <laughs> but then your red face kind of, sorry. Um, love you, JJ. Uh, so, uh, we were serving here, this is about, I guess, 12 years ago now. This would have been 25 years later or more. I didn't do the math because I wasn't totally planning on telling this story. I didn't think I'd have time. Um, and uh, we were getting a lot of calls to kind of go and be pastors somewhere. And we had a nice little, really appreciate your affirmation of our gifts, brother. But we just really feel God's called us here to Kingswood, Bethany at the time. Um, and so, uh, anyway, we were just kind of not really taking any time to, to pursue any of that. We really felt like this is what, where God had us. And uh, Elizabeth went for a trip, so I decided last minute to take the boys who were really little down to Halifax to visit my grandmother and go to church with my grandmother. I hadn't been to church with her in like 15 years plus. So, uh, so I drove down to that church and I put them in the nursery, which was surreal. Uh, and then I scooted up to the front row right where my grandmother would be because she's always right here. This is where she sits in church. Right, in her kicky little shoes. And, uh, and we were worshiping the Lord together. And as, as we were worshiping the Lord, uh, I, I had my eyes closed and the voices changed. The leading voices changed in the middle of the song. It was kind of weird, but I looked up and I noticed that the guy who was playing the piano had stepped away from the piano and was kind of whispering to uh, sing. So my eyes are closed and I'm, I'm standing next to my grandmother and all of a sudden there's this tap on my shoulder. Hey. <laughs> and it's the worship leader in the middle of the worship service comes down off the platform and he says, uh, are you Grace's grandson? I'm like, yeah. Uh, he's like, I just kind of was distracted when you came in. And I just, I just really feel like I need to pray for you. Do you mind? I'm like, no, I'd pray. That's cool. Uh, what's your name again? Scott. I mean, it's just really awkward, right? And he has no idea who I am. And uh, you work up at a college or a Bible college or something up in New Brunswick? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, pray for Scott and... Um, married yeah yeah uh it's i mean it's that awkward really it is and and but he's just trying to be obedient right uh and i just pray for him and his family i know they're young kids and just that you'll bless them and he's just kind of going on and, and he's praying and and you bless their ministry and and lord i lord I, I just i believe you call him to sit down and write and that that someday people will know him by name and lord i pray as he abases his own heart in you that the king of glory will come abound to many out of his vessel bless you man and he goes back up and he goes to pray. And I'm literally standing in this church where God called me out at 15 with words that I had on a tape 25 years old at least with a guy who I've never spoken to before or since who hears God's voice in the middle of a worship service and comes down out of obedience not even knowing what he's going to say. And out of that step of obedience, he starts to pray, and then the Spirit of the Lord fills his mouth with words that nobody says. <laughs> Who uses those words, <laughs> right? <laughs> and God arrests me and says, I have something new for you. Keep your head up. And the next day, 
on a Monday, I'm in my office, and Rick Kavanaugh, who's on our board, comes in to talk about his kids coming to the school. He takes off his hat. I'll never forget it. He, he, he mimics. I want to take off my parent hat, and I want to put on my pastor's hat. I want to ask you to come be our worship pastor. The very thing I said I would never do. And it changed my life. I still said no about seven times. They kept coming back and saying, we prayed, we still think you're the guy. And, uh, and we went, and my life is different because of that. And some of you who are here today are different because of that, because of what God has done through our ministry in Presque Isle. And if those people who walked and listened to the voice of the Lord before that hadn't cultivated their heart to be ready to listen, hadn't stepped out in faith and risk and just did something that felt a little uncomfortable, God would have never spoken the way he did, never called me the way he did, never brought me to some of you the way he did. And we wouldn't be standing here, sitting and standing here together today. And that's just one example of what can happen when you listen to the voice of the Lord. Not all of them are that cool. Some of them can get you punched in the face. That's another story for another day, because that happened to me. (laughs) But it was truth. But the enemy didn't like it. I hope you're encouraged today. Elizabeth's going to come and sing. I, 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 I don't want an emotional kind of, oh, Jesus, give me that moment for you. Because it's shallow. But I wanted to do today was to use his word and the testimony of my own life and heart of what God has said and done to plant a seed, light a, light a fire in you, to put in some hope in you, maybe for those of you who are wondering, does, does God ever really speak anymore? And I've been on both sides of these pendulums. I mean, I was almost entirely cessationist at one point as God was helping me to find some middle road and crown me into this kind of place and hearing his voice. But there is a reality to this relationship with God. And if your relationship with God is anything like my relationship with Elizabeth or my relationship with God, you're never satisfied with where you're at. You're always pursuing each other to become more deeply committed, to know each other better, to spend more time with one another. Times of separation hurt more because you miss one another. That is the reality of the life and relationship that you can have with Christ. I want to challenge you here if you're a student to not allow the fact that you're young and have lots of time to keep you from God's highest and best. Just imagine what you could become before you even leave here if you begin to practice the presence of the Lord. And if you're a staff member or a faculty member here, I love you, but some of us need to spend some time with the Lord because we get ourselves stroked by dispensing information that we've learned a long time ago. But God has a fresh word for every single one of us. Every day his mercies are new. And his presence is so real and rich. Do you believe that what you believe is really real? Real.